0: That was a lot of fun. I love these people, and I love being able to sit around a table and eat some goodness with these people, especially that Oberg apple pie. Listen for a word from God in Esther chapter 1. This is what happened during the time of Xerxes, Xerxes who ruled over 127 provinces, stretching from India to Kush. At the time, King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa. And in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials, the military leaders of Persia and Medea, the princes and the nobles of the provinces were present. For a full 180 days, he displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and the glory of his majesty. And when these days were over, The king gave a banquet lasting seven days in the enclosed garden of the king's palace for all the people from the least to the greatest who were in the citadel of Susa. The garden had hangings of white and blue linen fastened with cords and white linen and purple material to silver rings on marble pillars. There were couches of gold and silver on mosaic pavement of porvery, marble, mother of pearl and other costly stones." Wine was served in goblets of gold, each one different from the other. The royal wine was abundant in keeping with the king's liberty. By the king's command, each guest was allowed to drink in his own way for the king instructed all the wine stewards to serve each man what he wished. The word of God. Speaking of food, The book of Esther is brimming with festivities and banquets. In fact, the word feast and banquet appears 20 different times in the book of Esther alone and only 24 other times in the entire Hebrew Bible. But if we were to only read the first eight verses, we could imagine that this place of Citadel of Susa is the place to be. It is the place to visit and the place to live, especially with King Xerxes as king, because boy, does he know how to throw a party. Verse 4 reminds us and tells us that for 180 days, he celebrated his own majesty throughout the city and then followed with an after party for a week after that. But this story of Esther is anything but a party, if you ask me. It's a series of one chaotic moment after another. In fact, when we meet Esther in chapter two, it is after a chaotic time at a banquet, at a feasting time, when the king and the queen Vashti have a disagreement. After King Vashti refuses before the court to display her beauty, she is banished from the palace. Esther, in her youth and her young beauty, captures the eye of the king and what seems like an overnight glow up. She is taken to the palace for beauty treatments and an entire royal experience. And sadly, this too is short-lived. And after she becomes queen, things start to change around the palace. King Xerxes appoints a man named Haman as his high right hand and Haman demands that all people bow down to him as customary for people to do for royals and nobles. But when Haman comes across someone who doesn't quite do the thing he wants them to do, Mordecai, a Jew and Esther's uncle, who refuses to bow down to him because of his personal religious values, Haman is beside himself. He's enraged with with spite towards Mordecai. And then from this point on, Haman is fixed on not only getting revenge on Mordecai for disrespecting his office, but he will take his revenge to kill Mordecai a step further by having a decree passed to have all of the Jews killed and wiped from the land. So Mordecai and Esther come together and devise a plan to save the Jews by using Esther's position as queen and the king's particular liking to her to their advantage. Then, what Esther does is she hosts a a banquet, a party, in which she is able to denounce Haman and his evil schemes. And, spoiler alert, Haman is impaled, and the Jews are saved, and they live happily ever after. (laughs) And Esther stays queen. But for Esther, this banquet table and experience in her home was not only a time for eating and making memories, as one might hope, but it was also a place where significant choices had to be made. She had to pick the people around her table quite carefully because it was literally life and death for her people and, in particular, for her too. But Why read this story during the time of Thanksgiving and festivities and holiday? Well, among the interesting satires of the whole book, the book of Esther is one of two books in scripture, the other being Song of Songs, which is Pastor Devo's favorite book. Ask him about it. He'll talk to you about it all day long. But these two books Where even in the midst of chaos and danger for the people of Israel and the people of God, the name of God is not mentioned once. Only there is this one allusion in the book of Esther of religious beliefs for a really quick second when Mordecai defends his beliefs by not bowing down to Haman. And even so, when God seems absent and in the midst of human moral compromise, we see the goodness of God as faithful as ever. Though we may not hear the name of God spoken or described in some way as we are used to, God is present in the story of Esther. God is present in the allegiance of people that come together for the wellness of a larger community. God is present in the allegiance of people calling calling out evil by name, and helping to change the course of actions. God is present in the most unlikely characters. God is present when one person lacks the courage and faith to see beyond their individual fear, like Esther did, by providing a helper to speak determination, fearlessness, and fortitude, like Mordecai was for Esther. God does not abandon God's people in this story or in any story throughout Scripture. Sometimes the story of our life as we know it will not unfold quite the way we imagined it, yes or yes. (laughs) Well, I don't know about you, but for me, lately it feels as if just when things seem to be picking up, like in a good way, and, and you finally seem to have your footing right and your rhythm and your peace, that all of a sudden there is something that comes and just uproots you. It interrupts your flow and everything that you had going on. A week ago, my family and I agreed that uh, just our immediate family would be gathering for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. We're exactly 10 humans, right? Eight siblings, two parents, hallelujah. And, and we decided that we would take COVID tests and make sure that we were all cleared and we were super excited to gather around a table and be merry. It wouldn't be quite the celebration that we are used to, but it would be something like a ray of sunshine in, in what feels like has been the longest cloudy day, but then overnight, literally overnight, and while a few of us from our spaces having dinner through FaceTime, we decided that we would not be gathering as we hoped because two people in our midst are incredibly vulnerable in their health right now. We decided that it was, that it was really for the good of our family as a whole that we readjust our expectations of this holiday of Thanksgiving and that we focus on what matters more significantly than this present moment and we focus on the future. And it was and it is heartbreaking and it's hard and it's disappointing. Not only because I'm missing my Salvadorian traditions, but because it feels like another experience is lost. I'll confess that in the midst of our decision-making, it was hard to call on the name of God. And there were times where I wondered and I asked out loud, God, where are you? There's a lot going on. But reading this story, even just this morning, reminded me that there are times Or we will have to do some reimagining and recalibrating. Not because God isn't present, but because we have focused our eyes and our hearts and our energies on ungoodness instead of the goodness of God. I read somewhere that the author of Esther wrote the book of, of Esther in such a way that the people who read it have to look with intention and purpose for God's activity. Because even though God's name isn't printed anywhere in the story, there are signs everywhere. There is opportunity to redefine the way that we do community. And God is creating space for all of God's people to be creative in the name of good and care for one another. What are ways that God is asking you to care for somebody in your space? And I don't just mean somebody that you like. Who is God calling you to make an alliance with, an allegiance with, for God's goodness? Who is God calling you to encourage and to elevate with love? Or maybe you're in need of this kind of community. If the answer is yes, Please speak up, please let us know, because we are here to be your companions. We don't promise to get it right every time, but we promise to come alongside with you with words of hope and encouragement and to help envision something more, something new together. There is opportunity for these next several weeks of holiday and festivities for us to reimagine the way that we live out our gratitude, not just profess it with our words, but for us to celebrate a communal growth together, for us to sit with our children, young and old, and retell the story of Thanksgiving, to bring justice and truth to stories that have been lost or stories that we simply stop telling in the midst of all of this busyness this could be a time to reframe our focus as believers and to practice seeking God's activity in the world and in our lives. And as we seek God's activity and find it, I hope that we are transformed by it, that it causes us to grow our our empathy muscles and our muscles for compassion for one another. I hope that our holiday this season reveals to us the possibilities of living a life that doesn't just name the name of God out loud, but also that it is felt and seen in everything that we do. I hope that at the end of all of these festivities, that the things that we remember aren't just the plates of food that we inhaled and not just all of um, the craziness around us, that we remember the connections that we made, that we never would have thought were possible, that we look back at this time and generations to come and we really say in this year, even when it felt the most difficult, even when we wondered in the deepest part of our hearts, where is God? That we trusted that God was with us and that God would see us through and that God did see us through.